Don't miss Wednesday night. All right, the 40th Psalm. I want to just call this today a new song. A new song. Uh, I don't need, I, I memorized this a long time ago because it's one of my favorite psalms. But let's just read it together. Follow along with me. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And he has. Y'all are reading with me? He also brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. And then what did he do? And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. How many in here have ever been in a horrible pit? Amen? Since you were saved. This week. Not now. All right. Father, we just thank you today for your word. And we pray that you'll minister to us out of your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. A new song. He has put a new song in my mouth. I can't tell you how. You know, I I always preach and teach and speak out of the crucible of my own experience and out of whatever is in my own heart. And this thing about praise, this thing about pausing to praise, thinking to thank, and willing to worship is beginning to affect my life. Because, folks, we need to learn to practice the presence of God. We need to learn to practice the presence of God. Now, for me, there are three touch points by which we touch God and God touches us. And they are the Word, prayer, and praise. Those are the three touch points. Now, I think different strokes for different folks. Some people are touched by God more through the Word. Some more through worship. Some more in the place of prayer. But I believe that as believers, we need to exercise discipline in our lives and exercise the touch points with God. We need to learn to pause to praise. We need to learn to get in the Word, whether or not we feel like it. I don't always feel like it. Last night, I did not feel like it. Last night was a night to sit by the fire watch something on TV, and not think about church. But you know what? When I heard them say it's going to be bad tomorrow morning, my mind started thinking this way. Well, nobody's going to be there. I hate that. I have a a bad relationship with empty chairs. I don't like chairs. Uh, They talk to me. I don't like what they say. They say not full. I like full chairs. I don't care if your hair is green. I don't care if it's purple. I don't care if it's blue. I don't care if you don't have any. I don't care how you're dressed. I don't care about your lifestyle. I want those chairs filled. That's just me. So I'm thinking, oh, there's not going to be anybody there. I'm going to walk out to empty chairs. And before I knew it, I started spiraling a little bit. And then I remember, Jeff, stop a minute. This is not coming from God. You're not getting these emotions from God. Because God is a God of joy. God is a God of peace. And so I thought, great chance to practice what I myself have been preaching. So I paused to praise. Now, you know that I have a lot of dogs in my house. 
Matter of fact, I have four now. Two labs, one huge black lab, a smaller blonde lab, and then I have a little terrier who I should have named Chewy because he eats like a billy goat. As a matter of fact, can I just digress for a minute? Let me tell you how he eats. I was making a sandwich uh, yesterday, and we have this cheese where you have to take the paper off the cheese. And, and uh, so I took the paper off the cheese, and it slid off the shelf, and I saw him come running for it, and I thought he was just going to sniff it. I looked down. He had already chewed it and swallowed it and was waiting for more. So we call him Chewy. His name is Ollie, but A.K.A. Chewy. But I have these dogs that are in the house. Of course, they're all in last night because it's so cold. So I thought, I'm not going to go this route. I am learning to practice the presence of God. This is what David the psalmist knew. It carried him through all kinds of problems. He practiced the presence of God. Listen, folks, some believers practice the presence of fear. Some believers practice the presence of worry. Some believers practice the presence of complaining and misery. But believers who have a grip on what the Bible says should be practicing the presence of God. Amen? And so, how do we do it? By the Word and by worship and by prayer. Now, so I stood up from my chair and I said, I'm not going to go this direction. I'm going to pause to praise and I'm going to will to worship and I'm going to think to thank. So we have this hallway. And I got in the hallway and I began to pace. And I raised my hands and I just began to say, Lord, I just praise you and thank you. No big deal. So it's a nice Sunday. You are sovereign over all the earth. You will work this together for our good. So it's a nice Sunday. I'm going to praise you if it's a nice Sunday. I'm going to praise you if it's a good one. I'm going to praise you if it's a bad one. Because we do not allow circumstances as believers to dictate the way we feel. As a matter of fact, the word happiness comes from a a Latin word that means happening. And the whole idea behind the concept of happiness is I need a happening to make me happy. But that is completely opposite of Bible teaching. We don't need a happening to make us happy because believers know how to practice the presence of God no matter what is happening around them. And so I began to practice the presence of God and went up and down this hall. And I'm praising God. My voice began to get louder. I suddenly felt the presence of God all over me, where it turned from praise into some strong prayer. And then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me some things about the future. And I got to thinking, now where would I be if I had not stood up to practice the presence of God? I'd be sinking further into negative thinking and counterproductive thinking, and that is not the will of God for His people. It says in everything, in everything, in every happening, good or bad, give thanks, for this is the will of God for those who are in Jesus Christ. And so we're supposed to thank God in everything. We're supposed to practice the presence of God. And I noticed, you know, I got real caught up in it. And then all of a sudden I became aware in my peripheral vision of movement over here. And I looked, all three of the dogs, one was out in the garage, but all the other three were sitting there like statues watching me go by. 
And I could see them thinking, these humans, what is wrong with them? Here he is walking up and down the hall, yelling and screaming and and singing. What is wrong? It it was just like this. And I'd give anything if I had a video of it. Because if they can think at all, they knew that I was praising God. Folks, we've got to pause to praise. We've got to think to thank. We've got to will to worship. And whether or not you feel like it, I've learned this. It's like anything. Do it, and before long you do feel like it. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to notice that David was in a horrible pit. David had gone into a horrible pit. I don't know exactly what the horrible pit was, but he went into a horrible pit and miry clay. When he talks about miry clay, he's using a metaphor for what was known in the Old Testament as slime pits. They were called slime pits. And it was just like quicksand. If you got in the right place where these slime pits were and happened to step in one, many A military soldier in Old Testament times was lured into a slime pit and lost his life as he went down in the quicksand. You've got David here saying, I feel like I'm in a horrible pit. Not just a pit. This is a horrible pit. God doesn't waste words. So if he used the adjective horrible, then this was something that only God could get him out of. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen all kinds of horrible pits in the lives of others, and I've been in a few myself. You can be in a horrible pit of financial difficulty. And it's not just a pit, it's a horrible pit. Dead up to your eyeballs. Your credit cards are maxed out. You don't know what you're going to do next month. It can be a relationship pit, a marriage pit. You can be in a situation where you look around and you say, This is a pit. It's a well. It's a dry well. It's like being dropped down in a well like Joseph was when once he was dropped down, there was no way out unless you were pulled out. Now, I want to know, have any of you ever been in a pit where you knew, if I'm coming out of this, I'm going to have to be pulled out by the hand of the living God? He says, I'm in a pit that if God doesn't pull me out, I'm not coming out. And I'm sinking in quicksand. I feel like I'm going down. I feel like my head is about to be submerged in this quicksand. This is 911. I need the help of God. And he said, Here's the way I'm going to deal with this pit. I can either focus on the pit, think about the pit, be pit minded and pit focused, or I can turn my gaze up on God. And I want you to notice that David the psalmist said, I waited patiently. Now hear that word, patiently. David was aware this is a situation. There's not going to be an immediate deliverance. There's not going to be an overnight healing. This is going to take time. So I'm going to have to exercise patience. Can I tell you today, church, that just because it doesn't happen immediately doesn't mean God is not moving? Sometimes you've got to give God time. A number of months ago, God spoke to my heart in my early morning devotion time and said, Jeff, I want you to give me time. I want you to wait on the Lord. Don't get in a hurry. Don't look around you and conclude that this is the final chapter. This is not the final chapter. You don't put a book down when you're halfway through it. You don't walk out of a movie when you're halfway through it. And you don't give up on God when He hasn't been allowed to write the final chapter. you got to give God 
time. So David said, this is going to take patience. This is going to take some time. And so I'm waiting patiently for the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and they will not faint because the Lord is our strength. He is our shield. He is our buckler. He is sovereign over the affairs of our life. He is sovereign over circumstances. And even though it takes time, sometimes it taking time means that God has got something cooking in the oven that is stronger, greater, mightier, better than if he had done it immediately. So can you say with me, patience with God. David started out and said, it's going to take some patience. And then he said, and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. So mixed with his patience, there was prayer. Patience with God, patience with God, and prayer to God. When you're in a pit, listen, sometimes the only person who's going to understand you is God. Sometimes there are people who don't understand the pit you're in. If you're experiencing depression... There are believers who will tell you, well, just shake it off. But sometimes you can't just shake it off. Sometimes you're dealing with something on the inside that only God understands. And so he says, I'm in a pit that I'm going to have to exercise patience with. And not only that, but I'm going to cry out to God. Not a religious prayer, not some form prayer, but from my heart, I'm going to cry out to God. Listen, God never says, oops, and he never says, well, I'll be. I like that so much, I put it in my last book. Because nothing you tell God. Do you think God turns to somebody in heaven, to Gabriel, to Jesus, to Michael, and says, can you believe that they just said that? Did you know they were doing that? Did you know that's what was going on in their life? No. God knows the end from the beginning. God is a sovereign God. God knew you were going to think it before you thought it. God knew you were going to do it before you did it. God knew you were going to go there before you went. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the path of our feet before we ever walk. He knows the destination before we even depart. He knows the arrival place before we even leave the port. God knows. So just tell him, get it off of you. Say, Lord, I'm in a pit, and I need deliverance. And that's what David did. He had patience with God, and then he prayed to God. So whatever it was, here's David. He's saying, my God's going to move. My God's going to move. Now, it didn't happen today, but here's what I always tell myself. Yeah, this is the way it is today. That's the way it is today. But, Pastor Jeff, if you look around this way, look, look at what's around you. Look at what's going on. I say, yeah, that's the way it is today. But I read in the Bible about a God who often moved suddenly. You never know when God's going to move. You never know when the breakthrough's going to come. You are closer than you think. Some of you are closer than you think. Just a few more steps around the bend, and your breakthrough is going to be there. Don't give up. God is going to move. I'm going to patiently wait upon the Lord. I'm wrapping myself around the Lord by faith. I am not going to give up on God. He spoke to my own spirit and said, Jeff, I'm not going to disappoint you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm going to come through for you. I couldn't walk away from you for anything, because if I walked away 
from you. I walk away from my son who died for your sins. And I can't walk away from him. I can't leave my bride. I'm coming through for you. Just hang on and trust me. Pause to praise. Think to thank. Will to worship. Soak yourself in the presence of God and don't give up. And David said, I've got a testimony now. He said, as I waited patiently upon the Lord and I prayed unto him, cried out to him, guess what he did? He brought me up out. I like that terminology. I like the words that he used there. He brought, it's a picture of somebody being pulled out of a pit. If you've ever had God pull you out of a pit, it is the most amazing thing. You talk about something putting a song in your mouth because one day you're down in that pit and then suddenly God moves. He begins to pull you out. Nobody could have done it. You couldn't have done it. No flesh could do it. You know this was the hand of the delivering, healing, miracle-working God who only does wondrous things. You never know what God's going to do. But when He does it, sometimes, like Sarah, it's so incredible it makes you laugh. He brought me up out of that horrible pit. He brought me out of the miry clay. So say with me, patience with God, prayer to God, and deliverance from God. See, when God delivers you, you know who did it. How many of you have ever had God reach in and deliver you from something that you knew had you if God had not set you free, if he hadn't broken the chain, if he hadn't opened up the prison door, you'd still be there. But God snapped the shackles. I was reading this week. I can't help it. I'm probably going into a little bit of next week. But I was reading about those uh, Paul and Silas sitting in that prison. There they were in the equivalent of a horrible pit. They were in a dungeon. It was dark. It stank. It was filthy. It was cruel. Their backs were bleeding from being whipped hard by the cat of nine tails. Their legs were in shackles. Most of us would have been crying, why me, God? Most of us would have been asking for that one phone call to call our lawyer. But they began to pause to praise, and they lifted their hands, and they began to say, the Bible says hymns, but I looked that up. Hymn means, a hymn meant in the original Greek language, it means praising God. They weren't just singing, you know, further along, by and by, I'll understand all this. They began to praise God. They used their touch point of praise, and as they began to praise God, suddenly, there they were, prisoners listening to them praise. The prisoners listening to them lift up the name of Jesus, no doubt thinking they were crazy. How in the world can they sing songs in this hideous place? But they knew, if I'm coming out of here, it's not going to be my might. It's not going to be by power. It's going to be by the power of God. It's going to be by the moving of the hand of the one who brings you up out of horrible pits. He pulls you out of the miry clay, and suddenly there was a great earthquake and it threw open all of the doors. The shackles fell off their legs. Folks, you talk about a testimony to the power of praise. Don't you know they thanked God when they stood up and there was no more shackles on their legs, no more prison doors holding them bound, that they had paused to praise, thought to thank, and willed to worship? Say with me, there's power in praise. There is power in praise. Just try it sometime. 
Just driving down the road with you and God, you say, well, I just can't sing. Make a joyful noise. God doesn't care if you can sing. He doesn't care if you're Sandy Patty. It's an attitude of the heart. Just go ahead and begin to praise him when you're in rush hour traffic. Instead of boiling mad that the city fathers of Fort Worth allowed the traffic to get so bad, built such sorry highways, we've got to expand everything now. Instead of thinking about them, how many of you have ever thought about them? I have in rush hour traffic. Boy, they weren't thinking. They didn't know Cowtown was going to explode someday. And now we have no room. No, lift up your hands and begin to pray. Well, at least one of them anyway. And begin to praise God and think to thank and see if the Holy Spirit doesn't invade your car and lift your spirit up and make your heart happy where you can be blessing people instead of cursing them. Now look what he says he did. He brought me up. He brought me out. As I prayed to him and as I waited patiently on God, he brought me out. And here's what he did. Not only did he he deliver me, but he set my feet on a rock. In other words, he gave me stability. You know what stability is? It's the ability to stay. Stability is the ability to stay. Stay where? In him. David said, praise God, I was in a pit, but now I cried to him, and I praised him, and now he's brought me out. But once he brings you out, he's just begun. Once he's delivered you, it's only just started. Once he has set you free, now he's going to set your feet, not on the sinking sand you built your life on before, but on a rock. And the rock has a name, J-E-S-U-S. He set my feet solidly on the rock called Christ Jesus. I didn't intend to preach like this today, but I'm starting to get worked up. I see people in these seats anyway. (laughs) He set my feet upon a rock, and here's what he did. He established my steps. He established my steps. You know, the Bible says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts, your ways, your life will be established. Oh, church, listen, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be delivered. But it's another thing entirely to have your feet set on a rock where your life is established and you are a stable human being. Not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by every fad that blows through, but you are steady, eddy. One of the greatest compliments I ever received wasn't given to me as a compliment, but I took it that way. This person came up to me who I hadn't seen in years, and she said, Jeff Wickwire, still doing the same old thing. Don't you ever get tired of preaching? And she meant it disparagingly. And I said, you know, thank you for that, because you're right. I've been doing the same thing since I was 18 years old. And I feel like I've only just scratched the surface of the Word of God. I wish I could live to be 500 to keep doing the same old thing. Because the same old thing is the same good thing. Jesus just gets gooder and gooder, better and better, richer and richer, more and more real to me. I want to keep doing the same old thing next year and the year after when I'm 80. I want to hobble out here and still do the same old thing.
Because it's the good old way that leads to life. Amen. How many of you can say the good old thing, the same old thing, is a good old thing? Amen. So he said, God has made me steady. He's made me stable. So say with me, patience with God, prayer to God, deliverance from God, and stability in God. Now he says, here's what happened once he made me stable. And by the way, I see this as a progression of events. You're in a pit when you get saved. God saves you. He delivers you. He sets you free. Then he moves in and he makes you stable. And following stability, he puts a new song in your mouth. And what kind of song? Praise to our God. Following stability, following deliverance, you're going to find there's a song in your heart. Sometimes you've got to tell yourself to sing. Sometimes you've got a will to worship. But the Bible says in Ephesians 5, singing and making melody up making melody up in your hearts to the Lord. We're supposed to greet one another with a melody we've made up in our hearts to the Lord. My soul, don't you know what kind of revival we'd have if everybody walked in here instead of dragging their feet expecting us to pick them up because they had a rough week where the devil beat on them that every day they practiced the presence of God, paused to praise, thought to thank, willed to worship, and walked in here overflowing with the Holy Ghost. And by the way, this is the way you walk in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Be filled with the Spirit, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So just make up some little simple progression, C, G, F, D, A, G, whatever it is. Make up a simple little melody in your heart, and the Bible tells you to look up and begin to sing that melody to the Lord. And what's going to happen? It's going to start bubbling, it's going to start churning, and up out of you is going to flow the rivers of life because it is ignited, it is sparked, praise is the catalyst of being filled with the Spirit. Driving home in the ice today, just sing, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then look what he said finally. He said, here's what is going to happen when God has set you free, when he's brought you out of that pit, when he has established your feet and stabilized your life and put a new song in your mouth. Here is what's going to happen. Many Many will see it and fear and trust or come to the Lord. Wow! Do you hear what he's saying? Your life is going to be so magnetically attractive in God that others are going to see it. And they're going to trust in the Lord because of you. So let's try this. Say with me, patience with God, prayer to God, deliverance from God, stability in God, the joy of God, and a testimony about God. How in the world can you be singing when all this is going on in your life? Because I'm not dependent on a happening to make me happy. I have another source. Well, what is your source? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've learned just to praise Him through it all. 
And I find that when I praise him, the problems look smaller and God looks bigger. If I don't praise him, they look bigger and God looks smaller. Praise magnifies God and it minimizes my problems. Praise is the quickest path to God. It is the quickest connection I can make with God. It is, it is uh, listen, it is me and God immediately when I begin to praise him in all things. I pause to praise. So today, I guarantee you, I'm going to pause to praise, I'm going to think to thank, and I'm going to will to worship, and that way I'm going to walk in the Spirit and His fullness because God inhabits the praise of His people. And that means He's going to be all around me. So let's stand together and let's try this, can we? I mean, you can say that was worth coming to church. Yeah, because God is going to pull you out of a pit. He's going to pull you out. Now, I don't know where you are in the progression of things in Psalms 40. You might be in that horrible pit. I'm telling you the way out is to be patient with God and pray. Then once he delivers you, just get ready. Because he's not done. He's going to establish you and make you stable and then he's going to put a new song in your mouth and here's what i am believing for with this church that we're going to be a praising bunch i mean really and i'm not being formulaic i mean we're going to learn we're going to learn to be a praising people not complaining not murmuring gossiping slandering none of that but praising and It's going to get to the point where when people walk in, it says many will see it. Many will see that. They'll notice if you're a praising believer, because there's not many of them, as believers go as a whole. I've walked into churches, they'd have fainted if you'd have praised God. And if you uttered a praise God, you were looked at like you were from another planet. But folks, there's some battles we're not going to get through without praise. And I'm talking about that next Sunday. Worship will win your war. Worship will win your war. It's a touch point. So let's just, you don't have to lift your hands, but if you're okay with it, let's just do it right now. And let's just worship the Lord. Lord, we just pause to praise. Now, if you're in a pit, just praise him that he's going to take you out. He's going to pull you out. If you've been delivered, praise him. That he's establishing your life and stabilizing your steps. If he stabilized your steps, praise him that a new song is coming to your heart. And if the new song is already there, praise him that others are going to see it and be touched by God because of you. Lord, we just thank you for it. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Go ahead and just take a minute and praise him. Forget about the person next to you and just praise him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.